Peace and blessings, everybody. You're listening to The Good Brother Experience, where it is I, the good brother, the original black man. I am Rick. What you doing? How you doing? How you been? For starters, drink some goddamn water. Stop being a silly-ass nigga. Secondarily, rate, review, and subscribe to my program. Throw five stars on that thing. Feel free to add some commentary. I would appreciate that. Uh, last but not least, if you want to email me, email me at thegoodbrotherexperience at yahoo.com. Once again, it's goodbrotherexperience at yahoo.com. Now, you're looking at the title, and it's very obvious who the fuck I have on the show, so no real big surprises here. But I'm going introdu- to introduce him anyway, because that's just how we roll in the Good Brother Experience. Now, to some of you, he is a profound rapper. To others, he's just some bold, light-skinned dude that gallivants around the city. But to me, he's literally one of the first friends, and quite honestly, one of the first people I've ever met in my life. The one, the only, the A of the future. The A, man, are you, are you with me, brother man? Yeah, what's going on, Rick? Man, niggas is fucking cooling, you feel me? Now, yeah. um... I love that introduction. <laughs> you feel me? I just feel like I had to be all-encompassing with how people might see you. Yo, I don't never gallivant, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you are always on foot, my nigga. Some might say that's gallivating. Okay, okay, okay. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I never really have notes whenever I have people on the show because I just want to, I don't want it to feel so interviewish. But with you, um, I had to really think about how to actually start this off. And um, I want to start it in 2009. And, you know, it's, it's very rare that you come across it, you come across someone that knows what they want to do very early in life. And uh, the reason why I want to bring up 2009 is we were standing on E-Block, Emerald Lane, for those of you guys that don't know. And um, I want to say this is around the time you just got your neck tattoo of um of the microphone being plugged into your neck and uh we were speaking whatever we were just chilling how we usually chill and you were just breaking down like what you had planned on this music shit at that point in time i was 19 and you was 21 and um he was like yo rick you gotta understand bro like niggas go to college and niggas going to trade school and, and you probably don't remember you saying this but he was like, yo, niggas go, to, <laughs> niggas go to college and niggas is going to trade school and niggas going to work and all that. My nigga, look at me, son. I'm fucking tatted. I cut hair and I rap, nigga. I literally only rap to fun. I'm sorry. I literally only cut hair to fun the rap. The way my life is set up is I have to make it in rapping. There is no plan B, my nigga. I'm going to be a world famous rich rapper. And there is no plan B. Like, look, that's why I'm getting these tats on my neck. Because you don't need fucking, you don't need a clean looking rap. You only need a clean look and a, um, what'd you say? You only need a clean look and a public office. But fuck all that, nigga. I rap. I remember you saying that shit to me. And that was one of the first times I actually bear witness to somebody with that undying passion that you see at the start of documentaries. Like, yeah, this nigga, like, this nigga was always so fucking, he's always so focused. This nigga always knew what the plan was, man. He's, he was always so brilliant. Like, nobody ever, and I actually got to meet someone like that, and that person is you. And I've never 
felt that passionate about anything the way you felt about rap. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Fast forward, I've heard not your best rapping, but I've heard the best music that you've ever released. You know what I'm saying? So how did you know early on that you really wanted to get into your rap bag, son? Um, damn, you unpacked a lot there. But um, I guess the the, the when I first realized like I wanted to really rap was like uh, in front of the barbershop. I was doing like, um, I was battling a bunch of kids, um, a couple kids from Farmingdale, um, you know, a couple, you know, local kids, whatever. And I was just like, you know, I was killing. Like I was eating everybody, right? And then like out of nowhere, you know, I guess my pops was just running up to the liquor store or something. I don't know what, what, what he was going up there for. But he had happened to stop by at this time and see me in the parking lot eating these people, like destroying everybody. You know what I'm saying? And there wasn't no like contenders. So once I got home and I, I seen him, he's sitting on the porch, he's smoking a cigar. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, yo, <laughs> what's up? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, that's not no every, you know, he, he, he smokes cigars on occasions. You know what I'm saying? He's like, yo, we're gonna do this da, 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 da. and he's like you know what i'm saying really really believing like before that i could say like it was more of like it was a thought but i never really felt like i had i guess the certain back you know tutelage like i didn't look at it as a business or uh or a a, a career choice i looked at it as you know, like painting on a on a on a on a on a on a coloring book or something, like just just putting, you know, um words together, poetry, like creativity, you know what I'm saying? Just a way to, you know, catch recreation. You know, I would go across the street to um to to Nee's house and I would and I would rap in his in his room and, you know, if I could ever get into like any recording situation, I was gonna try to record. We recorded, you know, um songs in, in high school for uh the poetry club and different things like that. So I was always trying to, you know, just express myself through words and rhymes and lyrics. But it wasn't until like, you know, my pops got involved that he started really breaking it down to me, like different ways that you could attack this and make money. You know, cause you know, my pops the hustler, he was always trying to make money. So he was like, yo, listen, you could get money doing this. You know what I'm saying? And that's what really got me into doing the recipe and putting that out and, and, selling my own CDs and things of that nature because, you know, he was like, yo, if you're going to do this, you know, you're actually good at it, you might as well make some money off of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 100%. So just by analytics, I don't want this portion of information to just go unheard. What is the name of your new project? Legolithics. Where can they listen to Legolithics? Um, it's gonna be streaming on all platforms on the twenty eighth. And how long um, have you been rapping? Shit, I don't know. Twenty twenty something years. I, I recorded my first song when I was twelve years old and I'm thirty four now. And you would agree that this isn't your best rapping, but this is your best music? Um well, yes, um definitely. You know, because of the process. But see it's it's hard to say that this wasn't that this isn't my best rapping because the word best is subjective, mm. you know? So like BB, BB says, this is one of my most vulnerable projects. 
So, you know, for her, a good rapper might be a vulnerable rapper. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I guess in in the in the terms of putting together wowing lyrical phrases and cadences, I don't. I, I'm not. I'm, I mean, even that is subjective. Like, what's wowing to a different person might not be wowing. But I could say that I did not put in the same amount of effort that I put in on my other projects. You know, my other projects took me years to write. Whereas this project took me years to come up with the plan, the the you know to structure it, to create the content, the music portion. You know, I I, I wrote it in two weeks. You know, I recorded it in two hours. You know, um, I, I, you know, not to take away from it, but this go around it was like everything that I had did before. I felt like I put so much time and energy into it and made it so uh, intricate that this time I wanted to let people just hear what it what what it sounds like when it when it when it comes in you know I sat and I lived I lived with these songs the same way I live with my usual songs like okay this is going to be a rough draft but then after listening to it and vibing with it I'm like yo nah, these these songs sound pretty complete they get the message is there the point is there you know I could extend it I could make big hooks make second verses bridges I could do more but is it necessary? You know, I wanted to get straight to the point. Give people the lyrics, the flows, bring it back. Next song. You want to hear more? Listen to it again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That makes perfect sense. I just wanted to make sure that the audience heard that before I told the audience that you kicked me in bushes when I was six years old. And I just would like you to explain to the audience why you was kicking six-year-olds in the bushes. I, I can't, you know... I don't remember. I don't remember. What's up with this behavior, DA the Future? You know, you you have a vivid uh, imagination. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes so I don't know. Maybe maybe you're thinking this up. You know what I'm saying? I don't remember this. All right. So <laughs> allow me to illustrate what the fuck was going on. You know what I mean? I was either six or seven, and you was either eight or nine, and we were having a you discussion. Were, you were a big. You were a big six, seven year old. Oh, uh, that's. I guess because we were about the same height at this point. So. Yes. Yes. You know what I'm saying. But yeah. still, still all in all, you have the behavior of kicking six or seven year olds in bushes. But let me let me give the whole story. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Fucking what so, was that, eight. <laughs> you were eight and nine. nine? Just, here's what was happening. Uh, we were having a dispute about toys, and um, we were going back and forth. Uh, shout out to uh, Kev the Great. I mean, Kev, Kevin Smith, um, Amityville legend. He was outside at that time. Everybody was outside at that time, like all of our friends. And uh, your sisters were there, and I think even Tati was there. Uh, Tati, for those of you guys who don't know, is a renowned baker. You guys should uh, check her IG out at Broke Scholar Baker. And we was just arguing about fucking toys and shit, bro. (laughs) At this point in time, with me being younger than you, you know, you decide to use bully-like tactics to get your point across as opposed to speaking to me. Now, I'm not saying that eight or nine-year-olds are the most well-spoken, but a lot of eight or nine-year-olds don't lean towards violence to put an exclamation point on their point. But you, <laughs> know what I mean, with us having this conversation, you decide to take your shoe and put it into my chest and <laughs> thwart me into bushes with the most violence that's ever been that that I've ever had to endure, and at that point in time, I think if I'm not mistaken, that was like my first fight. Did you know that? 
So that's what we're gonna do here. This is what we're doing today. Yeah, yeah, listen, man. <laughs> I talked about your career. I talked about your music. Now I can get to the nitty gritty. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you can't be like, nigga, you wasted my time. The people know the oh, name of the album. Man. The people know oh, about your profession. Man. They know about your undying <laughs> desire, but they do not know about your violence like tendencies. I just want you to give this explanation to the people. So you think I'm violent? I believe that you matured over the years, and I'm gonna use this. I'm going to use this conversation to just illustrate how much of a madman you are. That's why I wanted to make sure <laughs> the people respected you for your artistry first, because that is first and foremost, because I respect you in your artistry. So the people need to know the real DA of the future. <laughs> and and you, think I'm, you think I'm a madman? You are a fucking madman. <laughs> and I, with having the front row seat of your life, the entirety of you, well, not the entirety, but I would say a 93% of your life, me having a front row seat of it, I've just concluded that you're a madman, bro. And I wanted to start off with that story just to go down a list of stories of you just having, like, mad-like behavior. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't recall that, that particular story. You know, we were young, mm -hmm. I guess. You know what I'm saying? I'll take your word for it because, um, you know, you seem pretty adamant. <laughs> mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah. You know, there was um there was a time, and I believe I was... I was 10 and you was 12 at the time and this was at that point when we was going in the back of uh, your grandmother's house and we was trying to balance rakes by keeping the stick portion in our hand and try to keep the rake upright do you remember this okay and I don't but I remember doing stuff like that I mean it was, it was me and you and Pasha and we were balancing <laughs> rakes in our hand and it just so happened this is when you still had braids and <laughs> We were balancing rakes with one another, and I bumped into you, and then you pushed me into the ground, DA the Future. You pushed me into the ground, and then chaos ensued. You know, I tackled you, you tackled me, and then that's when I became pariah in the eyes of the Smith family. And you know what? I, I, I have a term for this now, and when I say me, I'm talking about society as a whole. You gaslighted me into violence a lot of my, <laughs> of my childhood. And had what? your family thinking that I was crazy, and I just would like you to tell the people about your poor behavior. So it was just me. It was just me. <laughs> it was never. It was. It was never you. <laughs> Listen, man. Whose show is it? You know, when it's your show. Okay. Maybe yeah. I'll. Uh, maybe I'll place blame yeah. elsewhere. But this is the good brother experience, <laughs> bro brother man. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. All right, man. No, no. Do you want an apology? No, I don't want an apology. I just want to tell the people that you're a madman and you was incredibly violent, but you've changed. And okay. you know, uh, fast forward, um, as we fast forward as we got older, you know, I want to say the one way that we was always bonding was you always cutting hair, and mm -hmm. it, it's I've met a lot of people and I haven't met too many people that are as selfless as you. You know, when we was going on um, trips. And we would go take party buses to Six Flags or we would take party buses to uh, Dorney Park. I don't know if the listening public or the viewership, the listenership, however you want to view it, might know this. But I didn't have a great deal of money growing up, you know. And uh, the, the future with barber money made sure that I made it to every trip and I was always good and I always had a haircut. I just had to publicly just tell everybody that you just held me down 
literally the entirety of my life, bro. And I'm never ever gonna. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't just a violent guy beating you up. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> man. Man, and Yang, man. You know, at one point in time, uh, matter of fact, hold on. Let me let me let me restart my sentence over. I've never <laughs> said you were beating me up. You were initiating the violence. The original okay. doesn't get beat up. Oh, okay, okay. The original okay. might have been in a squabble or two. <laughs> but beat up is poor vocabulary, and I will not have it on the Good Brother experience. All right, all right. Man. Fast all right. forward, after our squabbling days ended. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you, we, had to get, we had to get to know each other, you know? <laughs> you, you made it your job to always make sure there was unity amongst the team. And I, I was just watching the Wu-Tang documentary, right? And Reza and his older brother, I just want, I, I want to say his older brother's name was Sincere. His older brother, Sincere, which was the person that was in the background doing all the accounting and such. Um, yeah, I remember the documentary. I can't remember his name either, but I remember the documentary. In fact, I just got done watching it. I want to say his name was Sincere. And they had the vision for what we can do as a unit. And mm-hmm. I'm watching this shit the whole time, like, yo, if DA know how to fucking make beats, you was talking about this shit <laughs> 18 years ago, like, yo, we need to all do something together, nigga. Like, I'm I'm out here doing all this artistic shit. If we are, if we all got together and just unified, my nigga, we can take the fucking town Long Island. We can take the world by storm. And again, for the listenership, what we did was tell DA to fuck out of here <laughs> as a collective. And now all of us is in our 30s. <laughs> and all of us in our 30s saying, damn, this nigga DA was right. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So it's going to be a whole bunch of praise getting. So how did you always, with you growing up the way you grew up, you know, two sisters until your younger siblings came into the picture, how did you always have that that uh, that thought process of unity? Mm. Um... I say like when I was a kid, when I was um when I lived in California when I was young, um my parents we were we were part of a church, uh Pentecostal church. Um and my parents used to always bring in, you know, people, like whoever didn't have a place to stay. And mind you, there wasn't much space where we were living, you know what I'm saying? We weren't rich, we didn't have you know what I'm saying, it wasn't like we was always like we was good. But still, you know, we would have big Thanksgivings and the whole church would come over, you know what I'm saying? And we would, um, you know, we would have, you know, anybody who needed a place to stay, they would stay with my, my parents, you know, and I had a bunk bed in my room. So often I would end up sleeping on the top bunk and somebody who, you know, needed a place to crash would end up sleeping on the bottom bunk. You know what I'm saying? So we always had, you know, like that type of, uh, I guess, you know, take care of each other type of energy, you know what I'm saying? And then like, I guess once we moved from California, you know, just the fact that like, you know, my family's the Smith family, you know what I'm saying? You know, and I'm not technically, you know, by blood related to them, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, they they treat me like, I'm one of them. Like we're all family, you know what I'm saying? That's that's not even a conversation. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, just having that type of loving and giving energy that, you know, I say my pops and my moms instilled in me, you know what I'm saying? As a kid, I guess it just manifested into, 
you know, me having that type of relationship with my friends, like my close friends, you know what I'm saying? Like I wanted to, I still want to see us all win and succeed together, you know, like, um, you know, like it's like the Jay-Z line, like nobody will fall because everyone will be each other's crutches. If every nigga in your click is rich, your click is rugged. I, I said it backwards, but that that's like how I kind of pictured it always. You know what I'm saying? Now, 100 percent. And there there there's two parts that I want to get to. So let me just split it in half because um, it's going to give an overall look on how we became who we became. Right. Mm-hmm. So. I'm 32, you just turned 34. And mm-hmm. if you can just do me a favor and describe how I was when I was younger, and I'll do the same, and I'll get to my bigger point after you do that. It's funny you say that, because you were a lot like you were when you were younger. Like, you were a lot like you are now when you were younger. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> like, you... You know, you you were you were pretty advanced, like for a young kid, because you know you were hanging out with me and Pasha, you know, and whoever we was hanging out with, and you were able to keep up and hang out, and you know what I'm saying, and and run with us, Amber. You know what I'm saying? You were able to kick it with us, and we were all older than you, like a couple years older than you. Yeah, we treat you like the youngin', but you were still like able to keep up. You were very like um. You know, just uh, just uh, like I don't know, like annoying, kind of like not not annoying, but like you was like a kid, like you was like always trying to be down and be, be a part of it. You know, when we was when, when we was little kids, you know what I'm saying? Like when it was me, Posh, and Amber running around. Like once we got older, though, I say like into our, you know, preteens and teens, you was like really trying to like do any legal hustle that you could get your hands on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like you was like you was selling everything that you could go to Aunt Deb, go with Aunt Deb to t- Costco and buy in bulk. You was coming around selling it. You always had candy. You was always on your bike. You was always come. You, you was always around. You know, um, you just you know you you uh, you was always like I guess a little bit like um, I mean it's not a bad trait to have, but like uh, sure yourself. Some people will call it like ego egotistic or whatever, but I don't I don't see it like that. I just feel like you was always kinda like sure yourself, like you knew and you wasn't gonna let nobody just tell you anything. You know what I'm saying? Like you had to like if somebody was gonna tell you something, like they had to know what the fuck they was talking about because you knew what you was talking about, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> like, um what else could I say? You know, um yeah, without going into, you know, like, I always felt like you was afraid of risk, you know what I'm saying? That's one thing I could say, you know, when we was kids, you, you wasn't really trying to get, if it was too crazy, you wasn't trying to get with it right away. You know, I remember one time we snuck into your, uh, snuck into your house, and I had to convince you to sneak into the house, and then we got in trouble for that, Miss Coulter told on us. Because <laughs> <laughs> you was locked out, you didn't have a key. I'm like, man, just climb through the window, man, you'll be all right. <laughs> Miss Cole just fucking spilled the beans with her old ass. <laughs> Shit is out of hand. Now, I mean, so um, growing up, I want to say that um, there's different phases of you that you highlighted. Because of your personality type, you're somebody who's like relatively all in. And 
you know, when we were super younger, you were, you were somebody who would do things off of reaction or off of emotion. And you you were m- way more, not spontaneous, but you was, what what is that term I'm looking for? When you can just do anything at the drop of a dime. Impulsive. You were much, you was much more impulsive when we were younger. And then, as we grew older, I saw that you was putting a lot of effort with um, self-discovery. Whether, <coughs> whether it was, you know, employment, uh, who you was hanging out with, the amount of time you was hanging out with people. Um, and you really developed this, like, yo, unless my purpose is I want to be around y'all, I need to only be around things that have purpose. And that's something that you developed into. And you became less impulsive and you became more business oriented and you just became more stoic in your approach to things. And yeah. now I just see with um with who you developed, I, I feel as though that you went through different phases, whether it was, you know, get into fights with people, um, learning how to actually articulate your thoughts, which is something you was fucking terrible at when we was younger. And <laughs> The reason why I say that is because you're one of the people that I've seen that can grow. Because everybody always says, like, yo, by the time, I, if, if, I'm, if I'm screwing up the age, then um, somebody has to correct me. But if I'm not mistaken, I believe that uh, psychologists uh, say that you are who you are by the time you're, like, 10 or some shit like that. Crazy. Like, who, who you are, like, if you don't. If you don't, if you, if you're not like a nice person when you're 10 years old, you're not going to be a nice person when you're 30. That's just what it is. You have like 10 years to pretty much shape your personality. Mm-hmm. And I think I read that in like some excerpt of some behavioral psychology shit that I kind of saw, you know how you like half read something like, oh, this is interesting. And you just keep that tidbit with you. Mm-hmm. But with you, you are not the same person that you was when you were 10. I mean, you were way more snappy when we were younger. And you, I will say that there were things about you that were different. I mean, I'm sorry, there were definitely things about you that you still have now. You were still then one of the smartest people that have been around. Then you always had division. Then you was always telling us what games we need to play for the day. Then you was leading the charge of the hustle shit because I was selling candy because you and Pasha was selling um, rubber band guns and going to fruit tree and buying parts and piecing them together. And I was like, nah, these niggas getting money. I need to get some money too. <laughs> but you know as things progressed I, I saw you make a concerted effort to make changes in places that you felt like you need to make changes and I really find that be a rarity in people because it's not that's not something that you usually see so do you have Miss Tanisha uh, your mother to um to give that credit to uh, do you have Tim uh, your father to give uh, that credit to like who do you, who do you give that credit to you to really understand the reward of you know growth and self-discovery i think that uh, discovery has oh has been a part of my story since i realized that you know like my father my, my birth father was gone for real like, you know, like, I, I remember vividly, like, I was in a doctor's office, and they're asking me, you know, regular questions about, you know, your family history and, 
can you you know what is you know you know they do you have a history of blood pressure on your on your mom's side on your dad's side and i don't have any answers to any of the questions on my father's side and that's when it was like damn like not only do i not have answers to these questions but there's not a person that i could call to get these answers right you know what I'm saying? And that was then. Now, you know, I've gotten in tune with a couple of my family members on his side and we build in and my brother found me on, you know, MySpace, you know, I think 2000, 2005 or six, he found me on MySpace. So, you know, we, we've been, you know, we've, I've been in contact with them now, but I think from that moment, it kind of was like an eye opener, like, wait, like, you know, I got, I'm going to have to find myself, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, that's when the music, you know, a, a, a lot of stuff started at that age. You know what I'm saying? The music stuff started. That's when I got the job at the barbershop. That's when I started j just, you know, just really like trying to go out and experience life. And I, I can't hold you. Like, I feel like I started um trying to be more like the person I remember my dad being, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, be around the stuff that I remember him being around, you know, he was in the streets, whatever. So I tried to like be a part, be, be that, you know what I'm saying? Not to the fullest degree, obviously, you know what I'm saying? I didn't have a example to follow, <laughs> right. but you know, I had what little memories I had of him, you know, running around with people and trying to do certain things, you know what I'm saying? I'm working in a barbershop, so I'm exposed to certain things. So, you know, I'm able to finally, I guess, get a hold of it and things of that nature. So yeah, like a lot. I guess that was like the eye opening moment, you know, and then seeing like, I guess that's the other thing, you know, being in the barbershop at that time, I'm watching like men, like grown men, like, you know, our age now, but I'm like 12, 13 years old. So when I'm watching these guys and I'm watching how they move and as I'm growing up in the barbershop, watching how these men move, I'm seeing the pros and cons. I'm seeing who's up and who's down. I'm seeing the tortoises and the hares. You know what I'm saying? I'm seeing who's, staying home and doing what they got to do and who's being who's going on vacations for a long time you know what i'm saying and i'm like all right you know what i know how i want to live you know what i'm saying and then i start to understand like my behavior you know start to study psychology more start to study what's going on in our community and hip-hop you know being a rapper and trying to make it in this industry you start to research what's going on what are, how 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 are these artists making certain music and getting in and i'm making this music and i'm not and why you know are, are these labels pushing this how does this work and then you start to unravel all of the makeup of the society in america and you start to really understand that we're like kind of like being manipulated you know with this music you know what i'm saying and with the with our own culture you know, it's kind of like being weaponized against us to get us to be, you know, more ignorant and frivolous with our lives and things of that nature. So, you know, as I got older and I started to realize, like, you know, like, how do I want to live my life? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, what kind of person do you want to be? Like, I started to just reflect more and, you know, I guess hurting enough people and getting my heart broke enough times, you know, kind of like forced me to be better. But I, I already had a blueprint for how to improve myself and how to navigate self-discovery because I had already kind of been on the path. Nah, I can, 
I can definitely agree with everything you just said, just in regards to because every and the reason why I can agree, obviously I didn't know that, but as you were speaking, I'm just thinking about you know when you were 12 and you because I've been around the whole time, so mm-hmm. I can see like when you started to really tap in when technology came out. I can really I really remember you being more inquisitive about things about your father, and if and if he wasn't. If you wasn't inquisitive when you told me, I remember when you felt comfortable to speak about that shit with your friends. You know what I'm saying? About, like, your life on the East Coast and shit like that. And, you know, and throughout your growth as a person, you know, with you getting things in order as far as your mentality is concerned, what your passions are, you know, and the new perspective that you was getting from the barbershop. One thing I can say that you added towards me is the eye of the tiger with these bitches. And, and, uh, <laughs> and this is uh what i mean by that i, I remember uh, i was in ninth grade and you was in 11th i remember okay. it just like it was yesterday and uh this before niggas called me reek it was like Tariq. it was like you're Tariq. you gotta understand something my nigga i will post up on a corner if i'm at a party or if i'm at the store or whatever and i will walk down on a hundred women if five of them say yes that's five women i didn't have yesterday you got to play the odds and you and you you put i I remember a lot of shit from a lot of people from what niggas say to me son and one thing i will say about you and pasha is y'all showed me that women will fuck with me on a sexual level and i got to give more of an explanation to that you know, when you watch movies, uh, you're like, oh, this nigga's the cool kid. This nigga has all the hoes. This nigga, he's dropping 40 in high school. He's like, whatever, he's the person that nobody else owns a leather jacket but him and the whole school type shit. And I'm like, nah. Pasha and DA are on E-Block every day. <laughs> every day. I've been around these two gentlemen since I was cognizant to know what hanging out means. So maybe when I was like four or five years old. So this is since 1994, 1995. I've been around these dudes. Not every day, but with more frequency than I see anybody else besides my parents. And although these niggas are two years older than me, they got women on deck. I'm taller than these niggas. I'm actually in sports. I don't got no women on deck. These niggas who are shorter than me, whatever have you, they got mad women on deck. I need to make an adjustment because it's possible for me to have women on deck. <laughs> and I would have not had this inner confidence if it wasn't for DA the Future showing me that I too could have women on deck. So where did you develop the eye of the tiger from, brother man? <laughs> I don't I don't I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's that's a tough one. It's just like you know, I guess because I had mad sisters, you know what I'm saying. So, you know, just being around. I don't know, man. I don't nah, know. Son, you being don't in chorus, bro. being in chorus, maybe being around. You know, being artistic. You know what I'm saying. Puts you in space with a lot of girls, so you could just get to talk and get to know people. You know what I'm saying. And vibe like that, you get to go up and there. I don't know. Yeah, I really don't know. Even the numbers game, like that's like a barbershop. Uh, a tool, you know what I'm saying? That's a, definitely a barbershop lesson right there. The numbers game, mm-hmm. playing playing the odds, that's a barbershop. You know, I got crazy. You know, the barbershop kind of like just being around all that testosterone and that energy and then, you know, being able to, like I said, being a kid, 
learning how to basically talk to and deal with women from different men and seeing like, okay, that works. Oh, that doesn't. Oh, that that worked for the moment. That didn't work for long. You know what I'm saying? Right. You get you get to them be like, yo, I I know exactly what I'm gonna do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I guess like that's where I got a lot of that from. You know, like Ray and Frank and even PJ and Earl. You know what I'm saying? Knees. Like it was a different type of energy in the barbershop. Have you know everybody was kind of like shooting. Everybody was in the gym. So you know, I'm glad you, know. you brought up the barbershop, bro. Uh, you <laughs> know, with um with the boom of content, whether it's conversational, whether it's interview based, uh, podcast based. Uh, radio based and especially now with television because there's more there's more avenues to put out a show like you can go on Amazon Prime you can go on Hulu you can go on Netflix um, mm-hmm. you can go on Peacock there's so many ways to get thoughts and ideas out of, out there there's been such an influx of shows and the one constant that I've seen in this influx of shows whether it's CW you know BET plus Disney plus whatever is these horrible depictions of the barbershop life right like, oh my god! Like, it's kind of like watching. The only thing I can liken it to is watching somebody who is actually a soldier, like watching like soldier movies. Like, get <laughs> the fuck out of here! This nigga will not draw his gun out right there. This nigga will not go in that bomb building for Dolly. He that is not that is terrible protocol. So, yeah. I'm not gonna ask you to rate, you know, different like shows that might have barbershop scenes or even barbershop the movie. What I want yeah. you to do is I want you to tell some stories, leaving names out, of course, of the barbershop. Because if if niggas was to actually put on screen and uh, a dramatization of what the fuck happened at Earl's barbershop, we'd all be rich. Yo, this, yo, you know that's that's crazy that you say that because there's so many stories that like you have to like point me in a direction. You know what I'm saying? Because I mean, y'all was y'all was there. You know, like, y'all was there, you and Pasha and Christian and Kwani, all y'all was there, you know what I'm saying, with me because I have y'all waiting to get cuts. Because <laughs> right. I was a pain. <laughs> so I'm uh, like, I cut the pain clients first and then, you know, try to, so y'all was there sitting waiting, you know what I'm saying? So it's just a matter of, like, you, like, take, point me in the direction and I'll tell the story. But it's like, yo, it, it's, it, these barbershop shows don't even give you uh they don't do the barbershop justice at all. All right. So, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell... a barbershop them. version of Snowfall. Facts. Facts. <laughs> so, or power. <laughs> so, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell a story that I have, and hopefully this can get the wheels turning, and maybe we can do, like, one upsmanship. Like, oh, you think that's a story? Nigga, this is a real story. So, let me tell mm-hmm. you my mildly tame story. I'm in yeah. the barbershop with you, and at this point in time, you was the only person there that was your age until another dude that came through with glasses. I always forget his name. Light skinned dude had glasses and he was there for a little while. Mm-hmm. And he was our age too. And we was all chilling. It was me, you, Jordan, and niggas was playing chess, whatever. I just, you just gave me a hairline because I had braids at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, a woman walks in. And, you know, she's giving hugs to everybody, whatever. And she's just roaming around back and forth. And the the light-skinned dude that was working there, he was our age. I'm so upset I don't remember his name because I haven't seen him since. Rashad. There we go. Rashad comes up to me and Jordan. And he was like, yo, do y'all have $5? And we're like, yeah, yeah, we got five. What, you you need to get held down for some food or something? He was like, nah. Like, you see this girl walking up and down? 
she will fuck both of you niggas for five dollars. <laughs> and it was just such a casual question. Like you got five dollars? Like, you know, she'll 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 fuck you right now. If you um so you're like so then I asked him, I was like, yo, bro, you're telling me if I take this five dollar bill out of my pocket, I go and I approach that woman and I say I would like some sex, I can give her this five dollar bill and she'll give me pussy right now. And he just looked me in my eyes like, yeah, nigga, it happens all the time. Why do you think she's in here? She's in here trying to fucking get some bread. So that's a that's a mild story. So tell me a crazier story of just of just obscure behavior that was happening in that place. Oh man, it's like every day it was some shit, man. Every day it was some shit. I can't hold you. Like I can't even like you know it was the, it was the spot. So every day was some shit. You know what I'm saying? There was fights. There was there was there was girls. There was definitely prostitutes. There was druggies and drugs. And mm-hmm. it was it was different. Like you know, like you know, God bless the dead Earl. You know, Earl was man like you know what i'm saying like earl earl was holding it down pj you know I, pj was holding it down too but you know pj's a married man i can't get crazy but right. like you know ray you know frank have you know they you know littles littles you know they all you know it was just a different era back then you know what i'm saying like i can't even you know you asking me to speak on situations that you know it's supposed to not be spoken on <laughs> no 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 like I'm just trying to, I just want people to hear, like a sm- a small day in the barbershop. So without doing names, g- give me a story of you just cutting hair, thinking it's a mild day, then just at the drop of a dime, it's not a mild day no more. All right, so this is not when I'm cutting hair. This is like when I'm sweeping the floor. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a kid in the barbershop. I, I think I was cutting hair, but not, um, but I didn't have like a consistent chair, like, you know, cause I was still in high school or whatever, but you know, I'm just, just chilling, you know, regular day, having a regular conversation and, you know, two of the barbers, you know, they've been at their little, they've been going at it for like a couple of weeks or whatever, you know, about little things, tip for tat here and there. You know what I'm saying? It's really over money. You know what I'm saying? But they don't want to. They don't. They don't want to expose the fact that they're trapping. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So they're making it seem like it's over customers. They're making it seem like it's over girls. They're making it seem like it's over everything. And then I guess it just came to a boiling point. You know what I'm saying? And one barber jumps over a whole chair. And slashes the other barber with the razor. My God! And, <laughs> My God! <laughs> and you know, it's like you know, it's one of them moments where you know everybody gets quiet at first because nobody could believe it happened before everybody jumps up and starts trying to like you know break it up or whatever, whatever. But then you don't have know how to move because this nigga got this razor. You know what I'm saying? And everybody's cool now, and everybody's all love. But yo. You know, situations like that will happen all the time. You know, Barbara, you know, we had another time a Barbara comes in, you know, and he's working. And then he goes, starts to walk in the back and just falls out. Boom. 
you know, and I guess he was just getting high all night. And <laughs> 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 came to work the next day and wasn't ready to work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He, he shouldn't have took that last bump, you know what I'm saying? Right. But, you know, ambulance come, having to rush him out, you know, the the crazy shit though, I'm not even gonna hold you. The crazy shit wouldn't even be happening with the barbers. The crazy shit would be happening outside. You know, outside between niggas fighting outside. You know, I seen a nigga pull out a taser to go and tase a nigga and then get knocked out and then tase with his own taser in the parking lot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> that's back that's back before that bullshit um car store was there, advanced auto parts. That's when the spot was there. Yeah, when the spot was there. For, for those of y'all that don't know, the spot was a clothing store that um that sold very faulty streetwear, but that's all niggas had, so we was in there. And then getting all the South Pole. <laughs> <laughs> and very questionable fitteds. I bet you somebody, I bet you there's somebody walking around with South Pole right now, flexing. Right now. You know what right I'm saying? Now. But, but, but just to, because um, I want the the women that listen to my show that just get this understanding. You you obviously can't speak for all barbershops, but you can speak from firsthand experience of being in a barbershop. And I know mm-hmm. a workplace is, you know, predicated on the personalities who work there. So mm-hmm. uh, in your opinion, if we had a pie chart mm-hmm. and you can divvy it up divvy it up into three parts. How what was the percentile of women coming in there with their son or whatever, just women just showing up in the barbershop and everybody being mild mannered and just treating everybody as equals. <laughs> and then the second part, I mean, out of the three, so out of the percentile, niggas, women, well, no matter how attractive they are or what they're there for, niggas being mild mannered, just treating them like a regular person that's coming into a place of business. To niggas being on gold time and just fucking being just fucking animals be like i mean trying to run down on them and just doing all type of helter skelter shit and just us being just pigs <laughs> and the third of women coming in there knowing what time it is and actually being with the program fucking the barbers for so their sons get haircuts bitches wanting to be on gold time prostitution time so mild mannered niggas just being just totally um what the fuck is the word i'm looking for so what's the word that they use in HR? <laughs> I'm trying to think. The word they use in HR when something is unex- not unacceptable. Matter of fact, let's go with unacceptable. Let's go with yeah. being mom mannered, unacceptable behavior, and women coming through trying to be down with the program. Yikes! On a, like 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 scale it. Yeah, like 25 percent. Nah, niggas would be calling another 25 percent. Nah, niggas is on animal mode, and a 50 percent. Nah, these bitches was with the shits. Don't let TV fool you. I mean, bro, like, um, you know, 90% of the time, and I'm not even going to say 90, probably 95% of the time, a barber's really not trying to fuck up his money. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, if a female client comes in, you know, to get her hair cut or her son's hair cut or maybe somebody else, I don't know, whatever, you're going to treat them accordingly. You know, it's not going to be until they start making certain passes at you that you probably going to even go in that direction. Now, there are those 5% of niggas that is going to take it there and test the waters anyway, but that's bad for business. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 
So, like, if I'm the owner, I'm trying to get him up out of there. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, you know, even still, like, maybe, like, like a lot of barbers would be like, you know, because you, you can't, I mean, you're not really going to get no burn if you try to run down on a chick in the middle of a barbershop. You know what I'm saying? Because you got all these dudes looking at you and they looking at her and she's not going to feel comfortable with all that. That's, like, kind of weird. But, like, you know, dudes probably, like, try to run down in the parking lot or catch them on another occasion and run down. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know? But in the actual barbershop, that's, like, wicked behavior. Right. You know what I'm saying? But, but if it's like that, it's because she... She invited that energy usually, you know what I'm saying? Like nine times out of ten, like it can't be, it really no other way around with all those men around, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you're saying there wasn't, well, not, of course it happened, but there wasn't a lot of inappropriate conversations in the presence of a woman to make her feel uncomfortable, like what's casted on TV. Niggas like, yeah, nigga, I had this bitch sucking my dick from the back, and then, man, I don't give a fuck about none of these hoes, nigga, fuck I mean, her. Like, this, so, you know so I, mean? I say like this. You know, when I was younger and we was in the barbershop, you know, you had owners like PJ and Earl that was a little old school. So they wasn't even playing certain music if there was women in the barbershop. You feel what I'm saying? Right. Like, out of respect, you know, like, there was a certain, like, level of respect that came with, you know, a woman coming in the barbershop. Because like y'all said, you don't want to mess the money up. You know what I'm saying? Especially, you know, this, even, and it's not just women, but it's kids too. Like, you don't want the kids to hear certain content and, and c- catch a hold of certain things. So you so you tone all of that down when the women and the kids in the barbershop. You know, it's not like, again, because you got those women that are coming there because, you know, this is where you can get that unfiltered, real res- perspective from a guy. So they're going to invite those conversations. Now, yeah, it's lit. We having these conversations. You know what I'm saying? But it's not until then. Now, I'll say, like, once we got a little bit, you know, Frank is a little bit more open with things. So once we got to um, down the block, and you know, um, and then it, even, like, lightly, other shops that I went into after that, there was a little bit less discretion with things of that nature. You know, I feel like the more seasoned the barber, the more professional the barbershop, the less you're going to deal with things like that. But the more uh, totalitarian is a, is, a bad, is a bad term, but it's the right term. You know, like the more he wants to run his situation like, okay, this is my situation and I can run it how I want rather than, okay, this is a business and this is how businesses are run, the more likely you're going to have those type of what would you say un unacceptable behaviors right yeah. inappropriate inappropriate unacceptable whatever have you you know what i'm saying all right that that fucking makes sense and you saying uh frank is uh, a little bit more open is definitely putting it lightly <laughs> <laughs> yeah he, he was he was he was uh he wasn't as liberal as the previous owner <laughs> you know there, there was a lot more fluent thought you know, as uh, the barbershop went down the block. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 just to uh, wrap it up as a whole, uh, for those of you guys that are still listening, I definitely appreciate that. This has been my nigger literally the entirety of my life. You know, I mm-hmm. just want to end off with uh, with the music. Like you said that with a hard, hard R. What's going on? Yeah, oh, my nigger? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just, it may, you know what it is? It's uh, I think I just saw that Joe Rogan clip. <laughs> and I just found it like so funny. I just adopted it in my everyday. 
because you know I'm because you know I'm all you already know I'm anti white people, but just watching niggas, just watching someone say nigger, like every single clip was nigger for thirty five seconds straight. I've never seen no mayhem like that, and I was dying laughing. Now, yeah. Because I mean, not only is that shit out of line, but if niggas pressed him about it, he can legitimately like fuck all of us up. We need like Michael Jai White to go approach him. You know what I'm saying? Yo, like, yo, <laughs> yeah, like I don't, you know, and and it's crazy because all the boxes are sticking up for him, like, right? Oh man, you know, because I believe that he's genuinely a good dude, whatever. You know, I believe he didn't mean to hurt nobody, whatever. You know what I'm saying? But it's like. To be as educated as you are, you have to know right. where the line is. Like you, you know, know what I'm saying? saying? It's the fact that you're saying this so frequently is the problem. And the one thing that I hate about and black then people, the, and then the planet of the ape shit was like, whoa, out of like, nah, nah, bro. And, and the one thing <laughs> I hate about black people, I know there's a fraternity with fighters. Whether you're a boxer, he's a kickboxer. I mean, jujitsu or whatever kind of art form that you go to. It's like that warrior fraternity. So I understand that. Mm-hmm. But there's no grace when it's the opposite way around. If if there was somebody like very popular talking about Jewish people and fucking genocide, or if there was anything derogatory said about homosexual people, you know, Italian people, Russian people, whatever, there would not be a gay person, Russian person, fucking Jewish person be like, no, 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 I'm telling you, man, he's a good guy. Like, we don't get that grace. So why do we always extend grace to people that wouldn't extend grace to us? That shit really pisses me off. You know what I'm saying? But, but the check, nigga, for the check. Niggas be trying to protect they check. Exactly. And, you know, you're going to receive a lot of checks from this project you got releasing. Uh, Good anyway, segue. I, I, I don't want to, because we're about to close out here. I, I don't want to ask that bullshit question. So I'll ask it this way. Music has changed. I think both <clears> of us can agree to that. And yes. the reason why it has changed is because it's more broad. And it's not like when we were younger where uh, record labels would dictate what was profitable and what wasn't. And mm-hmm. the things that they deemed the most profitable, they would put a lot of marketing dollars behind it. And I had to really grow older to understand that when you when you think somebody is like hot and blistering hot and you see somebody cooling off, it's not because you know, their uh, their talent went to the wayside or their talent atrophied or they don't got their heart on the, I mean, they don't got their finger on the pulse anymore. Is the record label or whoever is backing them is just putting marketing dollars towards someone else. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm saying that now is there are no governing channels for music being brought to us. You know, we have SoundCloud, Apple Music, Spotify, people who, you can just upload that shit at home. I can create a whole song, beat, fucking beat, verses, mastering it. I can do all that shit on my phone and upload it to Apple Music. These these are not things that was happening before. So because of that, we're hearing more kinds of hip-hop music or just more music overall. We have melodic music. We have trap music. We have conscious music. So with you understanding that and, you know, with the attention spans of the average listener now, how did you want to approach this project sonically just so you can just be heard? Because we're all artists. I'm pre- you you have a thousand songs that nobody will ever hear because you appreciate the art of it. But as far as garnering a listenership, how did you approach this shit sonically so it wouldn't fall on deaf ears? You, you know, I didn't worry about that this time because mm-hmm. we have 
like you said, you have all of these avenues and streaming platforms and things. So that's kind of why, like, like you say, like, you know, like I was saying, like, I didn't go back and forth with it and all that. You know, it's like I've been rapping for 20 years. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know what I'm doing. The, I, I, I just put that, I just put that, that the, the energy in the songs that I wanted to say, the feeling that I wanted, that I wanted to, to get, you know, and I'm not going to say like oh, every song I recorded for Legolithics was this was the song that I put on the project. You know, I probably recorded maybe 30, 40 songs, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, I knew I knew um, short to the point, you know, and I knew that I was I wasn't going to really compromise too much with what I was going to say. You know, I was just going to say what I felt and if it's too deep it's too deep if you like it you like it if you don't like it you don't like it you know what i'm saying like i'm not really um you know there's so many avenues now so i'm just gonna find the avenues that fit me you know and i already have a following i have a fan base my you know people they're used to hearing me they know what i sound like you know they 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 they, they appreciate the growth you know it's not necessarily like about like, oh, yo, let's make the same songs over and over and over again so that your fans, you know, like your sound and appreciate, like, I can't, that's not what it's going to be. Like, I'm going to give you something new and special every time, you know what I'm saying? So I, rather than being heard by the masses, I guess my approach this time was to just please the people who fuck with me already. I fuck with that. I mean, because the two things that I've seen from the people who are actually successful in music is everybody's championing uh, just being unique and being yourself and individualism, which is crazy to me because in contrast, a lot of music sounds the same. So, <laughs> so with you taking the approach like, man, I'm just here to give music to the people that's been fucking with me. And if more people listen to it, then so be it. But you just don't want to just be caught in the rigmarole of nah if this is not this bpm if i'm not using this type of flow if this right. beat don't sound like this if i don't if i don't put a metro booming type beat or a hit boy type beat in youtube and tell a nigga you'll make me a beat like this then i'm just wasting time you're actually you're actually creating art based off of what you would make regardless of who might listen to it and i think that's the best art of all and this is why I believe that, in my subjective opinion, this is the best music that you ever made. Mm. Mm. That's that. That's big. See, I didn't realize that. I, th I thought you were just talking about the sound quality, you know? Nah, just, uh, you know, this approach. Because if, if all the music is sounding the same, obviously niggas is taking approaches before a beat even comes on. Like, yo, I need a drill sound. Yo, I need a dance sound. Yo, I need something to play in the club. Yo, would the bitches fuck with this? Yo, if niggas is hooping, would niggas want to listen to this in the layup line? Is this workout music? Like, there's certain things mm -hmm. that you go into, that, go, that have to go into it if you're trying to, you know what I mean, garner any kind of commerce from it. But then you have the rarities, like you, where it's like, nigga, I make what I make, I make what I like, and if you listen to it, I hope you listen to it. But there's a lot of people that trust me with their ears, and this is who I'm making it for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. What's the name of your project? Legolithics. You know what I'm saying? Peace and blessings. Past the dressing. There's DA the future. I'm going to start rapping soon. If you don't believe in my rapping talents, you can go eat a dick. You know what I'm saying? 
That's just how I'm on it, and that's how I'm always going to be on it. I'm going to holler at y'all in a few days.